You're listening to Level Up with Melissa Zalouf from Iron Source. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to Level Up, the podcast for people who love making, growing, and of course, playing mobile games. This episode is the second installment in our Growth Loop mini-series, exploring a new paradigm in game growth. In the previous episode, we introduced the idea of the Growth Loop and looked at it as a whole. And in this episode, we'll be diving into stage one of the loop and looking at it in more detail. Here to guide us on this journey is Yevgeny Perez, appropriately titled VP Growth at IronSource. Yevgeny, thanks for being on the show today. Thanks, Melissa. Happy to be back here again. (laughs) So before diving into the first stage of the growth loop, let's summarize for our listeners, especially if if people haven't heard the last episode, what we discussed that last episode, an overview of what this growth loop is uh, and what it's comprised of. Uh, sure. Uh, so um, essentially, this is uh, one way to look at uh, game, uh, your game growth in, the, in a loop uh, perspective, where the idea is there are um, four steps in this loop that uh, starts with one, goes through four, and then back to one again. Uh, hopefully, the right outcome is accelerating that loop, where acceleration means more users, more profit. Uh, the loop is focus on optimizing uh, two uh, main metrics. One would be uh, your app's LTV, your average uh, revenue per user uh, through its lifetime, and maximizing your profits uh, uh, as a business uh, monetizing that gain. Uh, The first step talks about user acquisition. Uh, The second step talks about monetizing uh, within your app. The third step talks about Deriving the right insights from how users behave within your app, within the product, and how can you uh, optimize uh, that product experience. And the, the, the fourth step that is closing the loop uh, deals with really connecting all the dots, getting all the right insights from within the product, and how that relates to your marketing efforts and which actions should you take uh, uh, the next morning to accelerate that loop uh, to keep uh, fueling that growth. Mm-hmm. Would you say you've seen more companies in the industry adopt this outlook or uh, is it gaining traction? Yes, uh, definitely. I think it started gaining more and more traction around a year and a half ago, two years ago. Um, A big part of it lies within the structure of the company, so the size of the company. So uh, companies that were established in the last two years, gaming companies, uh, most of them uh, have the structure where uh, that you have the same entity that is overseeing both uh, monetization uh, product and uh, performance marketing, which is kind of under the growth umbrella, uh, all of it together. Um, bigger companies, um, let's say uh, more established companies are still, uh, some of them are still divided into two teams, maybe even three teams. One will be uh, the performance marketing team. The second would be, the, the ad monetization team, the third one, which would be the product team uh, covering all the other monetization aspects. Uh, and uh, the def- definitely there's a big shift to, towards that. I think that uh, the, a good benchmark would be the, the hyper-casual game studios where uh, it's just basically, it is the business model. That's how it works. You, you, you bring more and more users every day and you monetize them as best as possible and keep doing it over and over again. And then you just move on to the next game, the next product. That's basically the, the framework. 
and okay so in in a way the growth is is essentially the growth <laughs> the growth loop is essentially an operational framework right it's a way of managing your kind of business growth operations yes yeah, so it's 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 an operational uh, framework for sure and but part of the, a big part of the, of the framework is uh, generating uh, uh, the right insights uh, whether uh, you know the stakeholders uh, would be operational uh, people within the organization or this can be uh, product uh, people involved but this can also derive a lot of insights on the uh, on the senior management level as well, where people can understand better how much uh, of a runway we have with this product. Do we want to keep investing in it or should we move on to a different game uh, or which action should we take? Should we improve this uh, element before we uh, we push the throttle? Should we focus on this one? Should we focus on the product? Should we focus on, on, on some other metrics? Um, and I think that, that kind of the insights element provides... Uh, a broader uh, perspective to uh, all the relevant stakeholders that are not necessarily operational. Kind of operations and decision-making. Exactly. Yep. So uh, let's dive in. <laughs> Today we're talking about stage one of the growth loop, um, which involves UA, which some listeners may find a little odd um, to sort of start a growth loop with um, UA. Why? Why is the goal... Of, um, I mean, why why do we start with UA as opposed to, for example, starting um, internally with the game, uh, optimizing the game, making sure the metrics inside the game work? Yeah. Um, so this is um, this is an interesting one because there's there's two uh, I'd say there's two different uh, uh, approaches to kind of launching a game. Uh, so one, one, one aspect would be, one, one approach would be to focus on the game itself. And another approach would be, okay, the game is, uh, obviously we're going to do that, but we need to also see how the market reacts to that, how the uh, users out there rea- react to that game, because the the, uh, the product focus itself is only looking at users that are already decide- have already decided to play the game. What about all the users out there that have never heard about, about this game? And how do we engage with them? And the first, the first step talks about getting users to play your game. That's basically the meaning of step one. It's uh, in, in, in today's world, it's mostly through user acquisitions. There is a very uh, sh- short list of uh, of games out there. Uh, when you look at it, uh, broader perspective that enjoy uh, two, uh, uh, let's say, uh, uh, elements that can drive a lot of users into the game without investing much in paid user acquisition, that would be uh, games with uh, very strong IP, right? So if it's, uh, if it's uh, Star Wars, uh, the new Star Wars movie uh, uh, season, and there's a Star Wars game out there, so there's going to be a lot of people just searching for Star Wars and, and, and walking through your game, and you're going to have that traction. You can, you'll be able to scale this up and enjoy that. Uh, and the second element would be getting featured. Uh, and... Uh, Historically, uh, a lot of studios were investing a lot of their time into getting featured, which uh, is which basically was driving a lot of free users into a game. And you, this is uh, uh, then that period while you were featured, you were enjoying a lot uh, of uh, of that, and you were monetizing users. And that was a big bonus, uh, kind of facilitated by the stores. Uh, in today's world, uh, uh, most developers uh, are operating. Uh, under the assumption that getting featured is a very short-term thing. It's nice, 
yes, if your LTV is $10 getting 200,000 uh, users thanks to being featured, that's amazing. That's insane. But that's not uh, realistic for most. And you want to, yeah, exactly. So you want to you wanna invest in basically fueling that uh, product that you've built with the new users. You want to invest in getting users in, whether they're organic or whether they're paid, whatever that is, that is, that is what step one is about, getting users to play your game. Um, and, um, and that's, that's where basically the loop starts once the game is basically close to being ready. And, uh, you, w w without the first time you kind of approach step one, you approach it with what you have with your assumptions. You don't have much history. You don't have much data yet. Uh, but then, um, it's something that, uh, uh, we'll scale later through the later stages. So we, once we kind of talk more about them. Mm -hmm. So a lot of, um, or put differently then, um, step one is a lot about um, kind of assessing the market demand uh, for your game, right? Beyond of kind of beyond organic, uh, like un unless you have IP to leverage or you're lucky enough to get featured, it's kind of like, okay, do, do and how many users want to play this game or what's the kind of, yeah, what's the response exactly. from the market? Um, it's, it's, it's exactly that, like you said. Uh, do you find that kind of most game companies test marketability at this stage um, and, and use it as a litmus test for, you know, yes, no, uh, go, no, go on a game's uh, launch or viability? Um, yes, definitely. More and more. Uh, I would say it's definitely not where it should be. Uh, there are a lot of games that do not see uh, the light of day uh, for the wrong reasons. And there are games that uh, are getting a lot of heavy... Uh, UA investment uh, into, even though they don't deserve it, when you think about, you know, just that game's business perspective, putting other uh, factors aside. Uh, and the marketability is kind of the first, uh, the first uh, stage before you launch a game. And it starts with like the kind of the first time you visit this, the, uh, the first step. Uh, it's not the second and third time, uh, but that's kind of what you're trying to gauge the in that uh, in that uh, first time you're you're approaching that step is answering mm -hmm. that question. Mm -hmm. And does it differ? Does kind of testing for marketability differ for large versus small companies or different across different game genres? If it's a niche product, uh, then you'll need to invest a lot of time to get a, enough users to answer those questions, and also a lot of money. And if it's a and, mm -hmm. and if it's a kind of a mainstream pop uh, product then it's going to be much easier much faster because you'll get a you'll get a you'll get an answer quicker basically less uh, investment in the acquisition mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right um and part of uh one of the important metrics to, to kind of be looking at at this stage is is ipm um so can you tell us what what is ipm what does it stand for uh, and what kind of factors can impact it yep yep uh definitely I, ipm became uh a uh, very important metric for uh, specifically to step one and, uh, and uh, step four, which is kind of analyzing the whole uh, closing that loop. Um, it stands for installs per milli, uh, basically per thousand impressions. So in general, if a thousand people out there, uh, each one sees one ad for your game, how many of them will decide to download and open your game? Um, and answering that question, optimizing that metric is critical because it, it really impacts your ability to scale this into a business. And the factors that can impact it are um, 
actually a long list, uh, but and usually usually people uh, invest most of their time into the creatives. So assuming if I'm going to show to those 1,000 people a better creative, there's going to be more people coming in, which is true. Uh, there's more. There's the audience itself. Uh, it's much harder to operate and address. But assuming the audience is completely broad, you're kind of targeting the, the, the general public out there. Um, what I call uh, the not wasting impression uh, impressions factor, which includes uh, many kind of best practices. How do you not waste impressions and kind of not push your IPM down? Um, and ASO, which is a very big factor uh, in the funnel because between that impression and until the user opens the app, there's usually uh, uh, that, that part that is uh, overlooked uh, by, by many teams I've seen when you think about paid marketing. Mm. So um, let's maybe dive into creatives. It's the sexiest part. Um, in what way do you, I mean, it's pretty obvious how creatives affect IPM. If you have a higher performing creative, your your IPM um, will, will go up. Um, but can we sort of dive in a little bit to what are the best practices around creative today? How can you make sure that you're sort of optimizing how you're using creative inside your UA? Sure. Um, so, so creative is definitely uh, the biggest uh, lever you can you can you can pull, uh, and it's also the one of the most challenging levers uh, in today's world because outside of creative, a lot has been solved through automation. But creative kind of requires you to also be creative. What is the right process and what tools do I need to use and, and, and things that I need to put in place to optimize creative? Um, big part of that is creative production itself, whether you're using this or building this in-house or using a third party or using one of your uh, marketing channels uh, systems. Um, and this is something that uh, requires time, investment, uh, budget to build those creatives. Um, and uh, it's not necessarily the more uh, the merrier, but it's uh, it's it's testing different strategies, different approaches. Which one is the uh, which is the right messaging? Which which character in my game uh, people relate to the most? Should I uh, should I test different uh, uh, scenarios? Should this be an in-game video? Should this be a playable ad? Should this be a portrait? Should it be landscape? Should it be fifteen seconds? Should it be thirty seconds? I think answering all these questions. Uh, it, it requires a plan and requires you to to execute and build those creatives. That's a big part of that um, in, in deciding, obviously, who should do that um, and getting the resources for that. And that requires time and money, especially for the mm -hmm. creative soft launch phase, which is very critical for the uh, for the global launch is also answering those questions as part of the creative soft launch. So the, the, the soft launch is not only about making sure your game does not break and has everything in place and it monetizes, engages well, but it's also answering the, those questions. So that's, a, I would say, uh, the second element of the soft launch itself. Um, because other than that, later, the creative is an ongoing process of how do you deal with the, uh, what is called uh, creative fatigue and how do you replace, but it starts with kind of picking your best uh, uh, option. You want to answer that those uh, uh, questions quickly. Allocate budget to answer that question. So, what that basically means is that you, if you have, let's say, four creatives, it's not a lot, something, um, you want to uh, test them in the right environment. You want to invest the right funds in this. Where at the end of this process, you will have that answer. And then when you 
push the throttle on, on scaling things up uh, through paid marketing, you have that winner and you can keep iterating on, on that one and others. But in that process, you've allocated budgets to answer that question. And you don't care, you should not care at that stage, um, was this RI positive or not? You need to know which one is the best creative. It should be the, uh, the best creative based on IPM. But also later on, you should also make sure that that creative is generating the best overall revenue because uh, the best IPN creative might not be the best creative for your business. A good example would be maybe a creative that is misleading too much and just getting too many users in, but they were expecting something else and it drops all of your retention metrics and people do not monetize as well. So that balance of getting the most amount of people, which is IPM, that also monetize the best when you think about LTV is the, the holy grail. Um, and I think those are kind of the, the high level elements, uh, around creatives. Obviously there's, we can, we can do uh, five podcasts just about that. And there's a lot of stuff that can be online. You can reach, reach out to me, uh, if you have uh, more questions, but that kind of is, are the main elements as I see it. So we've kind of jumped to talking in a way about creative soft launch, uh, which we are going to dive into a little more deeply in a moment. Mm -hmm. uh, but before we do, maybe let's let's look at ASO, um, which you said has kind of been is often overlooked. Yes. Um, how how does it kind of fit into um, the the beginning, the starting, the the beginning, the starting, uh, the the first stage of the growth loop, um, and and specifically kind of uh, IPM. Yeah. Um... So is this the beginning or the starting? Which one is it? Uh, <laughs> if only I knew. Yeah, yeah, you should know. You should know. Uh, tell me uh, when you figure that out. Uh, so, so, uh -huh. um, so ASO, which stands for App Store Optimization, is is a very big element. Usually, uh, people uh, perceive ASO as something that is equivalent to SEO. Uh, on web mm -hmm. or is something that is focused on uh, keywords and uh, somewhat related to what is similar to SEM. Uh, so people coming in from uh, search, whether it's paid or, or organic uh, search behavior. Uh, but when you think about it, and, and it's kind of related to something I started with, uh, off with, where most games out there, most of their users are coming through paid acquisition. Um, so they are seeing ads somewhere, they're seeing all your creatives, they're seeing the, the, that amazing best creative that you figured out through your amazing creative optimization process. They click through, but then they see the app store page. So no matter how people get to your app, they will always go through that app store page, which is very different than web. Uh, so uh, and on that, on that page, there's a lot of uh, elements that impact uh, that conversion within that uh, step uh, because if people see something that they do not relate to, if they see something that they're disappointed of or some, something that is basically uh, changing the, that momentum that drove them to click the, through, uh, it really harms uh, your IPM, right? So because IPM is installed through a thousand impressions, but that stage you have a thousand impressions, let's say a hundred people click through, only 20 of them if the IBM is 20, will 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 download eventually uh, the game. Why did 80 decide not to, even though they click through, right? So you have yeah, so you have all that experience, which includes you know the name, the, the title of the game, the icon, the description, uh, the the screenshots. Is there a video there? How long is that video? What which video is there? Uh, 
Uh, is it the right icon, uh, which is something that uh, needs to be optimized? And it's not it's not focused on search. It's not focused on building organics because the reality is that no matter uh, what you do, if you don't have a big IP or something that really can drive a lot of organic uh, growth, not many people are going to land on your page, not through an ad. Uh, the ratings themselves, which are to be optimized uh, uh, a lot once the product is out there, this can kill IPM, right? So if you're, you have a... 3.3 star rating versus 4.8, that's a big, big, uh, has a big impact on your IPM. With the same creative, with the same everything, that itself uh, is a big uh, a step in the in, in, in the decision. And what we've seen is that usually ASO is either very behind, um, even, even like basic best practices, or people just do not invest much in it. Uh, or it's just dealt by someone outside of the, the organization. Within a growth organization, that's something that should definitely sit there. But if it's product, if it's performance marketing, if it's ad monetization, who's dealing with that? It's usually someone that sits within product and it's not connected to a very big part of the, the performance marketing. The step one, let's say, uh, and that, that's a good example of something that is, can really have a very bad or good impact on your IPM. Mm -hmm. So, as I said, we sort of started talking about creative soft launch, um, which is kind of including treating a soft launch, not just about kind of optimizing your game, um, but also uh, making sure that you've got the most powerful creatives ready to go uh, when you when you go sort of full throttle on a global launch. Um, do you have sort of what are some of the, the best practices for a creative soft launch? We talked about answering specific questions. Um, but are there, for example, uh, specific ad units which you should make sure to use or test during a creative soft launch? Do interactive creatives have more of a place um, during, a, during a creative soft launch or, or not? Does it, does it differ across genres? I've just asked you like five questions. So feel free to answer the one you're most comfortable with. The answer is no. Uh, no, I, so uh, no, I'm kidding. So uh, yeah, so yeah, we for for uh, hyper casual genres, which rely a lot on very quick iterations, uh, go no go stages, uh, moving on to the next game. I think the creative soft launch is something that is not as uh, realistic because it just takes a lot of time. Uh, and it's kind of embedded into the game design itself and the creatives themselves that look, the, the creatives basically mimic the game uh, play uh, itself. Usually if it's, even if it's playable, that it's showing the in-game video, uh, sorry, a video, if it's just showing the in-game video, but the, the, you know, the new versus expert uh, or a playable that is basically the game itself. Uh, so for these guys, I don't think the creative soft launch is, is something that uh, should be perceived as a soft launch because the soft launch is, is it's just part of, it's just embedded in the process for for the bigger mm -hmm. games the games that are, are have a much much bigger investment in terms of time and, and resources uh, that's something that needs to be planned ahead uh, it's so it's on, on that timeline before the game is uh, launched there's a soft launch and the big part of the soft launch is usually for these kind of games the, the studios the the performance marketing and the product teams are split uh, so the product is focusing on optimizing the product and the performance marketing's job should not be, hey, let's just get one, two, three, four, uh, 4,000 users a day in 
for a weekend so that we'll have enough metrics to optimize. But it's so people usually go to the cheaper markets uh, to test that. Uh, but actually, rather being part of that process and owning the answering the question when we do go live, what should be the best creative? And that changes strategy, changes the market to see you go live. You want to be testing in very similar markets to where you are going to be uh, mostly focused on later on in the global launch. Um, and um, that's something that I think is, is is the paradigm shift here is answering that. So being ready with those creatives, allocating budget, like I said earlier, and being ready with answering those questions, which means having uh, the understanding of what is my PM, how much data should I have. Uh, definitely engage with videos. Uh, that That is the predominant uh, ad behavior out there across all channels, most channels, the bigger channels. Um, and uh, that's uh, that's the, the paradigm shift, I think. Basically owning that that uh, soft launch uh, phase when it comes to performance marketing and understanding how do we uh, optimize that and when do we, uh, are we ready to go live or do we need some more time to invest in creatives, change the strategy? Or maybe the answer would be, hey, the monetization looks like it's trending to best case $4.00. The IPM, the best we've seen was 0.5. It looks like the market, the players that are playing the game are monetizing okay, but the broad market does not want to play the game. So we have a problem here. Maybe we want to change something big in how the, the, that product is positioned. The name of the game or maybe a different game, or maybe go with a different character to lead the game. Something we've seen the, where, where through the, throughout the, the creative process, the, the soft launch usually, you can see maybe if you're testing different different characters different elements of the game suddenly you see very strong engagement with a certain creative and that certain creative has a character that is not leading the game but people like it apparently so maybe that character should lead the game right. that's just like one example or something that should impact the creative yeah, exactly. product so i hope that answered the question so i hope so yeah, well, all, yeah. all seven of them. Um, so you talked a little bit here um, about kind of teams, um, who sits on what team, who's responsible for what, what's the kind of conversation or, or sharing or versus silo um, between those teams. And and actually next episode, when we, when we tackle stage two, we'll be talking about monetization. Um, how does an increased connection between monetization and UA teams help businesses scale kind of both of these activities? Um, because I think that's a, that's a kind of a big part of uh, the virtue of the growth loop. Without the, the team sitting together or being one team or being under the same umbrella, it's just very hard to um, connect all the dots, measure the right things, get the right insights, agree on those insights and execute on those insights and, and accelerate that loop. So it, that, that's kind of, so if you, you are looking at that from the loop, from the, uh, from the loop perspective, it's, it, it has to include that because if you, if it's not, if it's still disconnected, then like each one of those steps kind of hovers and not connected to the next one. Um, so the loop is broken. Mm -hmm. The loop yeah. is a loop. It's exactly. just a bunch of um, And unfortunately it, it is the case for, uh, for, for some teams, and it's 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 a challenge to overcome um, in terms of processes, uh, setting the right goals to each team, managing the day to day, um, I don't know politics, whatever it is. It's just make things harder. Um, uh, so mm -hmm. in in a, in a you know if if if, if it, this could have been only one guy doing everything, that would be 
the best that uh, whoever that uh, Superman is. Um, and if it's, it's not the case, how do you build a team around uh, that loop where you have the right uh, uh, people in charge of uh, making sure that everything is is uh, is measured uh, throughout the loop? So every step, every engagement with every uh, impression, every click, every user, every event within your game, everything is funneled into the, uh, your uh, data warehouse. How is that collected? How is that visualized? Um, how the insights are derived on uh, that? Is there automation on top of that? Um, who is executing each part? Um, who is going to take action um, on, on optimizing the user acquisition the next morning? And who's going to take action on optimizing the product the next morning? And part of the loop is that every day has different insights that needs to be focused on. Uh, and sometimes it's the product, sometimes it's the marketing, sometimes something's broke with, broken with the creative, sometimes something's broken with, with the attribution flow. Sometimes something, uh, something that is fraud that kind of halts the, the, the loop from accelerating. Um, and it's something that needs to be in the same room where people look at the same metrics, see what's broken, and then uh, double down on that. And, and, and the more efficient it is, the, the, the faster the loop will accelerate. Um, and in many cases, just won't accelerate if, if things are broken, if you're not, if you don't have the right uh, setup in place. And that's part of the setup of the loop is the team itself. So, um, and I, this will be my, my last question about, um, well, my last question and my last question about teams, you also talked about um, product, right? Um, and kind of product and performance marketing or product and UA working together. Um, is is merging product with the merged UA and monetization, let's call them the growth team, perhaps. Is that equally critical uh, or is it sort of a, a nice to have? You mean them being together? Yes, being, yeah, being a, I don't know if it has to be one team, but let's say sort of like a um, not separate silo team. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, definitely under the same uh, umbrella. It, it, a good example would be uh, live ops. So live ops is a big part of the growth loop, right? So big, a lot of insights that, that are coming from today, getting ready for tomorrow are based on the, the current behavior of users within your game. So you want to take some action. You want to, you were going to pre present a, a, a few sales. You want to, you want to engage with a specific segment better. You want to, you want to invest in segmentation. You want to come, you want to test a few strategies. Um, that sits within product mm -hmm. mostly. Um, that's great. A lot of it is maybe the answers to your questions are wrong because the users that came in yesterday, right. something was broken or we were testing a different creative and that was the reason why you had some noise with that or that was that data was not cohorted and you tested this for only for new users or not for people that played the game for more than seven days. And, and, and think about the impact on the performance marketing team. So if they're trying to optimize the war odds. They saw a big dip for users that were acquired January 7th through the 14th they think that maybe something wrong with that creative that when they compared to creative that ran a month ago, it was better. Maybe we switched that one. That would be a mistake because the tip was because something that was uh, tested on the product side that essentially they have to be sitting next to each other uh, to make sure they have the right insights and, and, and see what the other does so they can understand how will this impact their, uh, mm -hmm. their work. Makes sense. <laughs> if only everyone would just listen to Evgeny. No, it's a, it's a, it, obviously it's a, you know easier said than done. 
that's the challenge. Um, well, that's all we have for today. Thank you very much, Evgeny, for taking us on this journey through stage one. Tune in next episode for um, stage two of the growth loop, which, as I said, will be covering monetization.